Welcome! You're listening to Uncommon Sense, and I'm Doug Morgan. I am fully aware that some of you send me articles knowing that you will get me going and it will end up in a podcast. And to this, I say it's working. <laughs> there are sometimes just certain things that I cannot let go without commenting on. And, and this is one of those things that someone sent in and um, they came across to my desk and I just cannot let it go without commenting on it. It is an article entitled, <clears throat> What Does Scripture Say About How to Handle White Privilege? And it's by Hope Bollinger. Yeah, she is the SEO editor of Crosswalk.com. She wrote back in back last June. Now, now Crosswalk is, well, it's kind of like a quote from Forrest Gump. It's like a box of chocolates. You just never know what you're going to get. <laughs> so uh, you, there are so many different articles and things on, on Crosswalk. Some of them can be helpful and others are just so far out in left field you just wonder how in the world did they put that on their website um this kind of being one of them to be honest with you uh and and let's get it right into uh what she says here in the article she says the first time i heard the phrase white privilege back in middle school i didn't really understand the term now let me just say if if you're being taught about white privilege in middle school, well, that equals indoctrination. <laughs> just, let's just start out there, okay? Uh, she says, I knew that I was white. And from brief encounters of teachers mentioning the history of race relations in the United States, I had a little bit of an understanding about how racism still seeped into our culture and world today. Okay, again, let's stop for a second. How does racism seep into our culture and world today? I mean, I'm not saying that there isn't racism and there aren't people who are racist, but how does it seep into our culture and world today? Just a question. She continues and says, but because I grew up in a predominantly white city and school, we didn't often talk about the phrase white privilege. And until I went to college, I hadn't engaged with the term as much as I should have. Okay, let's stop again. Now, there is the beginning of her problems, all right? She went to a college. <laughs> I'm not saying that if you go to a college that you're going to have problems. What I'm saying is, is that's where this stuff is taught and it's promulgated, is in the college setting. A lot of colleges... Uh, come out with these things that uh, start out as some theory or something that that some professor wrote in a book, and then suddenly they're taught all over as real things. All right, she in this case is a graduate of Taylor University, and she uh, is a graduate of the professional writing program there. Okay, so she didn't come out of you know, some theological studies type of, of deal. She uh, didn't even come out of some race type of studies. She is a uh, writing program uh, graduate. Uh, Taylor University is actually a private interdenominational evangelical Christian university in Upland, Indiana. 
It was founded in 1846, and it is one of the oldest evangelical Christian universities in the country. Get this, though. They average, the average per year cost to go to Taylor University is almost $50,000 a year. Uh, yeah, we could probably talk about white privilege if you want, uh, but we won't there. All right. So she says here, she says, first of all, what is white privilege? We certainly are familiar with the term privilege. Merriam-Webster uh, defines it as, quote, a right or immunity granted as a particular benefit, advantage, or favor. In other words, a certain group of people receiving benefits that others do not due to some uh, unifying factor. Now, I would say here that her, in other words, expands the definition from, from Merriam-Webster's definition. Uh, she says, we may have heard the term privilege used in other contexts. For instance, we may have encountered male privilege in the workplace where a woman may have to fight for equal uh, compensation or may have to temper her words in a job interview to not come across as arrogant. What a male counterpart may not have to measure his tone as much. So, all right. So, did, did I experience male privilege when I didn't get a job as, as a male? I, I, I had an experience where I went in for a job interview. And I... Um, I thought the interview went great. I thought this was uh, this was something that I thought I would be very good at. I thought that this this was a, a great uh, a great fit for me. Uh, I had uh, a, a number of experiences that uh, and, and skills and, and training that would have um, you know fit excellent. I thought with uh, this particular job. And so when I went in to interview, I, I sent my resume in. They called me in for an interview. I went in to interview. And I thought the interview went great. I thought that that uh, things just uh, seemed to click. Uh, you know, I, the, the the questions they asked, I was able to answer uh, relatively easy and and give give great answers. And I felt very good after uh, you know coming away from that interview. Uh, got a call uh, just a, a, a little bit later, and they let me know that I actually uh, did not get the job. Um, even though, and, and this is what they told me, even though I had the, the uh, best interview and I had the best qualifications, I, they said I was, I was by far the, uh, the one most qualified for the position, but that I had come in second because this was an all-female office and that I lost out to a female because I was male. And they weren't sure how I, as a male, would fit into that female office, even though the one who got the job was not as qualified as I. She was the one that received the job. So, did I experience this male privilege in that case? No, I mean this is ridiculous. Uh, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, there are positions that that uh, are predominantly one gender or another uh, in. in uh, you could say, like, for instance, uh, in nursing, uh, there, there's a lot of female nurses and not nearly as many male uh, nurses. 
Um, yes, there are some, but, but oftentimes if, if somebody wants to go into nursing and they're male, uh, people kind of look at them, uh, you know, twice and say, anyway, why, why, why wouldn't you want to be a doctor or whatever, instead of, you know, just being a nurse. But if a, a, a lady wants to do that, yeah, you know, that they're, they're not, you know, ever, they're always encouraged to do that. So yes, I mean, there are specific types of uh, jobs that uh, we see more of one gender than another. But, uh, but this whole male privilege thing is, I think, uh, ridiculous. Um, she continues on here. She says, in that example, we uh, encountered male privilege. But what about white privilege? How uh, would we define that? She asks. White privilege, according to uh, ra- uh, racial equity tools, okay, is, quote, um, preferential treatment to people whose ancestors came from Europe over peoples whose ancestors are from the Americas, Africa, Asia, and the Arab world, unquote. In other words, simply by one's ancestral heritage and the amount of melanin in their skin, a person receives preferential treatment in terms of being favored by authorities all the way down to being a default type of character the media chooses. For instance, most books, movies, and TV shows have a predominantly white cast. This means that someone who does not have white privilege has to try significantly harder to earn respect and equal treatment in academia, the workplace, in the court of law, and just about everywhere else. All right, so we got we we got to put the brakes on this for now. Okay, um, how about defining racism? All right, I mean she goes to the racial equity tools to try to define white privilege. Let, let's let's go to, uh, I don't know, Merriam-Webster for a definition of, of, of racism. And let's see what that says. It says that it's a noun. And the uh, it says the brief, or the, I'm sorry, the belief that all members of each race possess characteristics or abilities specific to that race, especially so as to distinguish it as inferior or superior to the other race or races. Basically, stating that white people have white privilege literally falls under the exact definition of racism. Alright? So, so that seems to be a little bit better uh, of, of a definition here. So, uh, she says here, what do we do as Christians who have white privilege? Does the Bible have anything in particular to say uh, how to use privilege well? Well, Let's define, uh, I'm sorry, let's dive into this issue, she says. All right, but before we do that, (laughs) let me comment. Um, Let's talk about how she is now continuing the article under a false premise. that That the theory of white privilege and critical race theory is a real thing without any evidence or proof, right? So she's going on and she's saying, oh, now that we've said that, that white privilege is a real thing, now let's see how to fight it. And what, the, what does the Bible say about it? <laughs> okay, that's a false premise. We, we haven't even gotten to, you know, is it a real thing? What, is, what, what specifically is it? And how, what does it look like? She's not, she's not talking about that, all right? But she's going on as a false premise here. Well, let's continue. We'll let her go on. What does the Bible say about privilege? 
she says. In the Bible, we don't encounter Caucasian people. Most of the event, yeah, okay, yes, let me start over again. <laughs> I know, I heard you say, what? In the Bible, we don't encounter Caucasian people. Most of the events happen in the Middle East. And we don't really encounter a specific verse in Thessalonians that would say, this is how you handle white privilege. Okay, stop! Stop, stop. All right. You, you see why I couldn't let this one go, right? <laughs> I just can't take this anymore. Oh, man. There were no white people in the Bible? Really? The, the Israelites, you know, the Jewish, Jewish people, the Jews, uh, they were white. <laughs> you know, I mean, David himself, the Bible says, had red hair. <laughs> it, yeah. Oh, man. All right. Let me just leave it there. I think you got the point. Nevertheless, we run into countless examples of one person or people being favored over another. Jacob loves Joseph more than any of his sons. Genesis 37.3, she says simply because his favorite wife, Rachel, had Joseph, instead of Leah bearing him. Paul is relieved of the flogging when he mentions his privilege as a Roman citizen, Acts 22, 22-29. Romans got preferable treatment over the Israelites. Peter gets uncomfortable and doesn't sit with the Gentiles. He literally grabs another lunch table far away from them in Galatians 2, 11 through 14. All right, all right, okay, we're stopping again. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't Jacob's favoritism what eventually led to an entire group of people being saved from starvation? <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Uh, uh, when wasn't, wasn't Paul being saved from being flogged within an inch of his life a good thing? I mean, come on. You're, you're, yeah, anyway. I mean, if you want to talk about what favoritism is in the Bible and whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, we, we can have that discussion. But to use those type of examples uh, to say that, boy, we need to, to fight this white privilege thing is, is completely off base in my mind here. But let, let her continue, okay? The Bible has plenty to say about how we should treat one another as well. Everyone is made in the image of God, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And time and time again, Scripture condemns partiality. Romans 2, 11. All right, so let's, let's, let's take a look at what she's talking about here. Romans 2, 9 through 11. So if, if you actually go back to verses and, and read this a little more in context, all right, it's saying here, that, and, and, and let me read it for you. It says, there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek. And verse 10 says, But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. The Jews first and also the Greek. And then we get to her verse. For God shows no partiality. He is talking about the fact that everyone can be saved. He's, he's, he's not talking about, about condemning partiality or, or, or con condemning things that aren't fair. That's not what this scripture is talking about at all. 
This is completely taking, taken completely out of context. This is, this is terrible. Let's, let's look at this again. It's, it's talking about in, in the first two verses before that, that, that all, that both Jews first and also Greek, you get to the next, next verse, the Jews first and also the Greek. And then verse 11, for God shows no partiality. He doesn't show any partiality between the Jews and, and, and the Gentiles. That's what he's talking about here. All right, scripture, scripture condemns partiality. That's, what, about, what about the Israelites being God's chosen people? I mean, that, so, so God condemns himself? That, that, that absolutely makes no biblical sense whatsoever. She is completely off base here. Okay, that kind of of uh, twisting of scripture just that that's that's what gets me going. All right, uh, if you're going to use scripture, that's great. I love it when you can use scripture to back up what you're what you're saying, and that's what we do here on the podcast. But to take scripture and then twist it to try to show what uh, that that the Bible is is behind you. Is, and 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 that God would 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 want this this type of thing is is absolutely out to lunch. She says here, and yet we live in a broken world, where groups are marginalized, from the per, uh, personal all the way up to a national institutional level. For those of us who have white privilege, what do we do? How can we help those who have been marginalized and unfairly treated? Oh, okay. <laughs> she has proven how woke she is now by using the word marginalized twice in two sentences. Did you hear it? <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is this is crazy. She said, you know, here she here she is, she's very predictable by trying to make the case that if, if we disagree, then it proves that we're racist idiots, right? See if, see if, you, see if you can pick it out here, all right? Let's, let's see. It may be easy to try to deflect. Some tactics of deflection I've seen are, uh, are people saying, quote, well, I'm colorblind in terms of race, so I see everyone as equal, or people saying, quote, well, I'm white, but I've encountered hardships too. Does that make my trials less valid? Unquote. <laughs> Did you catch it? Did you catch that there where she's, she's trying to do this very, very predictable thing that if you disagree with her, if for some reason something about what she what she's saying about white privilege if 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 you even it's not even even just to disagree with her if you absolutely question any of it if if you want to talk about any of it in it in a negative form or if you want to 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 say well but but what about this over here what about that scripture you just used there that, that's that's not that, that's not what that says if if you go to the, to that level then that what that does that just simply proves that you're racist that just simply proves that you have white, white privilege and that you benefit from this white privilege and that you, you, you don't want to give up 
that white privilege. And it's because of you that this white privilege thing continues. And it's and these people that are marginalized and these, these poor people and that, that, that are that are being scarred by this racism that, that you portray, whether knowingly or unknowingly. I mean that that's what she's talking about here. This is what is being portrayed. The discussion at hand, she says, is not whether our lives are hard. It and it's certainly not to draw attention to our own seemingly vicious thinking and virtuous thinking, sorry. What we're encountering here, she says, are people who are hurting. Brothers and sisters in Christ who are hurting. We're seeking to find ways to do justice, love, mercy, and walk humbly with God. All right. The discussion at hand is not whether our lives are hard. This most certainly is the discussion at hand. We, I mean, come on. This is the discussion we're having. Everyone has challenges in their life. Everyone. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter if if you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. You're going to have challenges in your life. And things are going to be hard. Life is just hard. I mean, if you can take a look and read Genesis. After we left the and, and got kicked out of the garden of Eden, what did God say? God says life's going to be hard. You're going to have to do things that are difficult. You're going to have to work for your food from now on. When you were in the Garden of Eden, when, when he made the Garden of Eden, and he made uh, made us in that Garden of Eden, we could literally eat anything we wanted except the fruit of the one tree. Life was really easy. And, and, and God would come and walk with us. And, and every afternoon. I mean, this was awesome. This was great. But after we decided that we didn't want that anymore, that we wanted to try to be God, after we were the ones that sinned, and we were the ones that got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, suddenly, now, life is going to be hard. And and for women, it says that childbearing is going to be difficult. And, and life is hard. It doesn't matter what it is. For some... Life is going to be a little harder than others. I get that. Some challenges seem more daunting than others. But you know what? Life is not fair. Life is not fair at all. And you know, you you want to hear something else? God is not fair. And that's a good thing. Because if God was fair, then we'd get what we deserve, wouldn't we? If God was fair, then we would get death. Because death is the result of sin. When we sin, we have a penalty, and that's death. But God said, you know what? I'm going to pay that, and I'm not going to have have you go through eternity without life. And so God wasn't, God's not fair, and that's a good thing. And life's not fair, and that's okay. We have challenges in life. That's okay. But to say that the discussion is at hand is not whether our lives are hard. That's what this is talking about. Okay? It's certainly not to draw attention, it says here, to our own seemingly virtuous thinking. I mean, come on. This is exactly what she's doing here. She's ex- she is definitely drawing attention to her 
virtuous thinking. She has been made to feel guilty about what about being a certain skin color. I mean, that is racism. That, that's flat-out racism. And she's trying to make you feel guilty, too. And she's trying to make you feel guilty if you're white, that you are white. And if you're white, you're a racist. And being made low so others can, can feel better about their race? I mean, come on. This is what she's doing here. And she's trying to make, make victims. She's trying to, 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 to make a cer- certain races victims at the, at the hands of, of white people. People whose skin color is different than yours. That's racism. She is perpetuating racism here. And we'll, we're, we're going we're gonna to continue this because she's going to address how to, to uh, deal with this white privilege. And she gives us three easy steps on, on what we can do. And, and we, we, we definitely want to take a look at what she's saying to do here. So let's do that on the next podcast. Uh, if, you, uh, if you want to uh, hear the prior podcasts, we have all of them on our website. Uh, you can also communicate with us there at UncommonSensePodcast.com. We have merchandise up if you'd like to support us. Uh, we would love for you to go to Facebook or Instagram, like us there, and, and help us uh, and, and support the program there as well. And thank you for listening.